0: Hey there! Welcome to ATL and Twenty Nine, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Schernard. I'm here with Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops, and Glenn, things have gotten a little bit spicy in Hawks world. What do you make of the stuff that you saw and read today?
1: Well, they're not a boring team anymore, are they? Uh, <laughs> I mean, what what do I make of it? Um, you know. Uh, uh, listeners may enjoy a kind of more hot take kind of approach to this, but I think this is just pretty normal stuff when a team is trying to, you know, take themselves seriously for the first time, maybe in a while. Uh, and, and then the pressure that kind of comes with the expectations being where they were, you know, depending on who the person setting those expectations are. So, you know, I mean, some ugly losses to teams that I think they, uh, it felt that they were better than you know in a different t- higher tier than coming into the season and losing's uh, Not fun ever, but it, it's less fun when you actually expect yourself to win regularly um, <laughs> and uh, That's not been what's happening been happening the last uh, little little bit so yeah I think this is more normal than probably the average NBA fan knows but Trey coming into year three a real roster, um, expectations a talent like Trey that the organization shows that it could surround him with the right pieces to kind of get them on an upward trajectory. Uh, and, you know, a really good uh, start, first five games, um, maybe made everyone feel like they were, you know, doing better than they were, uh, already had a whole, you know, 98% of it all figured out or what have you, and thud. You know, you lose a a few games in a row, especially to teams that are considered to be, like I said, in lower tiers and uh, it's not fun and some conflicts bound to come out of that. And uh, at times that can um, get out through um, good media reporting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... But let's talk about it. I'm sure if we talk about it, we can – uh, find some slices that um, are, are, are very much worth conversation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, so the losses to Cleveland and the Knicks were eerily Generally. similar and both yep. very disappointing. Uh, they're both sort of two physical teams with some, some grown men in the middle who are prone to thumping. The Hawks had commanding leads of both, and things kind of fizzled down the stretch. When I look at the overall season, though, like just take the season as a whole, you know, when when the Hawks were done with Cleveland and done with New York, it's like, okay, they've played seven games. What's working, what's not working? And my thought after seven games... It's like, okay, well, what's working? Well, pretty much every returning player over the age of 23 was doing pretty well. Like, I thought, you know, Trey, absent maybe some excess turnovers, seemed like he was playing pretty well. John seemed like he was playing really well, but in a way that's not necessarily going to make his box score stats look a whole lot better. I mean, you look at what's going to happen to him this season. He's playing with Clint, so he's going to get fewer rebounds. He's starting next to DeAndre Hunter, which maybe you wouldn't have suspected it coming into this season, but I think of most of the choices you could slide in there, DeAndre is also going to be the one who might you know, get a few rebounds that would have ended up in John's lap. So, like, his rebounding numbers are going to take a hit, but I thought, you know, defense wise, uh, you know, making the adjustments to playing next to Clint, you know, being just an incredible threat as a role man, you know, they were leveraging him a lot to make the offense do good things. And it didn't really seem like John was left out of anything. Like, you know, the defense has to make a judgment call. Well, what are we going to do? You know, Collins is rolling. Trey's got the ball. we got to pick something. And it seems like, you know, a lot of times John's just kind of sucking in the defense. And, you know, you, you go about making your choice. And a lot of times it's guard John. And and that leaves, you know, somebody else open in the offense. Um. And then, you know, looking at that starting lineup, in addition to Trey and John, DeAndre Hunter's been a, just a marvel. Like, I'm very glad that I think a week before the preseason, I said something to the effect of, you know, the, the Hawk I'm most interested to see this season is Hunter. Like, I just, I, I think there's something there. Good golly, there's something there. Like, he's, he's been fantastic. Um, and Clint had kind of a couple of bad games at the beginning, and then he sort of figured it out. So it's like, okay, you've got four out of your five starters playing really well. And your problems are a combination of new guys, bench, and health. Like, even Herter, you know, coming off the bench, being an older returning guy, has looked really good. Um, and I think if you if you look at, well, where, where have things gone wrong? It's like, well, you know, Bogdanovich, you know, some combination of healthy, making adjustments, hasn't been great. Cam, you know, hasn't been great. Um He's, he's been a good defender. He's made some threes, but you know, just in terms of flow of offense, making good decisions, uh, you know, he hasn't been great. And the offense has still done pretty well in spite of it uh, with him starting there. And, and, and to backtrack a little bit here, you know, talking about Trey in the starting lineup, like trace had a pretty good defensive season. It's, it's, you know, it remains to be seen, you know, first speed bump now. And, uh, you know, and, and that, that Charlotte game was a disaster on all levels for Trey, but, like, the first seven games, you know, they took him off the ball, they asked him to engage, they wanted him to play in a certain style, and it, and they put a lot of defenders around him, and it's like, okay, this can kind of work, like, he's he's not Kawhi Leonard, no, nobody's ever going to mistake him for, like, .17 of Kawhi Leonard, but, like, he was kind of doing what he needed to do, so... You know, in, in all the big picture ways, after seven games, despite Cleveland, despite the Knicks, I was like, well, this looks really good. And so, you know, John John says something in a film session, and I mean, that's that seems like a pretty typical thing. Like that, you know, mm-hmm. you got an yep. opinion, you share it in front of your teammates, and it's, you know, it's just how does the team react to it? And they reacted poorly against Cleveland. Uh, Against Charlotte, Uh, I—I mean, I don't know. That—that's a lot of thoughts all at once. I'm ready to wrap up the podcast now because I—I said
1: everything that I had in my head. Well, thanks for having me on. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) No, um, but but no, it's it's actually I think good that you kind of went through your list of things because, you know, when if we're if we decide we're going to talk about this, we. It to me it matters like well what are we talking about are we talking about the report about what happened in the film session, or are we talking about the Charlotte game you know which to me it was is the biggest issue of all what we saw on the court um, and not not and not that I want to make too much out of one game even as 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 bad as that looked but they, are we talking about. John speaking up and that maybe being tied to him being in the contract year and not having not it, it, you know so it really matters i think what we're talking about um when we kind of get into it and dig into it because i think that one of the less constructive things that's going on in all of the conversations that's come out of this is people are talking about it all like it's one thing and people aren't being specific when they when they talk about it and, and now you know for, for example did did John was John more likely to speak up in the way that he did because he's heading into uh He's in the middle of contract year heading towards <laughs> free agency. Probably. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, right and and he's played I agree with you. He's played really well, but you know, he had a A lot of foul trouble the first few games and that depressed his numbers, you know, kind of out of the gate and then, um, and then even, and then once he kind of, uh, once Capella kind of, you know, picked up um, his um, activity level, um, John was able to not have so much foul exposure. Then his numbers started picking up, you know, apart right. from the rebounding, which you touched on, um, and then the losing, you know, then the losing happened, uh, um, and, and you know. Well, so there's just a lot of different things going on here. Are we talking about John speaking up. Like I said, I do think that's, you know, related to his contract situation. And I'm not going to necessarily ding him for that. You know, I think I think in, in the professional basketball setting like that, his teammates need to understand that, yeah, that's going to be on his mind. Because you know, he's in a different place with his contract than anybody else, <laughs> literally anybody else on this team. Right. But, but then are we talking about Trey's response to being – you know, confronted like that. Are we talking about how what Trey carried into the game? You know, so I'm happy to talk about all of it. <laughs> I, what I what I would like to do though is to be a little different than the conversation I'm hearing, and maybe be a little specific when we dig into it. If that makes sense. Yeah. And
0: Wednesday, or yeah, Wednesday was kind of a shitty day in the universe too. So horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know that could mess with your head a little bit. But uh, I
1: think everybody was, I think at first everyone was like, is that seems like, you know, the most likely thing we see going on here is just that people's minds aren't on basketball right now. Now, now we know more and I think we can rework how we look back at that. I, I think, you know, but that was in real time. That's what I thought was going on. Right. And Trey, you
0: know, Trey's not perfect. Uh and he's not a perfect teammate. I'm sure nobody is a perfect teammate. Some are better than others, but you know he had a. a you know we maybe you would call that an immature response Wednesday. I sure. do think that Charlotte's kind of a team that is well suited to make life kind of annoying. Like Trey can't sleepwalk through a game against them. Uh, right with the style the style of defenses that they were playing. You, you know they're going to make you think. They're going to challenge you more on the perimeter, and they're going to let somebody like Clint Capella beat you up inside. Um, and, you know, Clint Clint did what he was supposed to do, and, you know, it still ultimately didn't matter because you know the Hawks were kind of bung, bumbling things uh, in other areas, including Trey. Um, right. You know, after the game, Trey and Lloyd Wednesday were both kind of saying, you know, You know, Charlotte did some things to make things difficult for Tay. I don't, it's not even, well, I guess they were kind of asked about it, but, um, you know, Trey today, and I'm going to play the audio from today's media availability at the end, you know, to to Trey's credit, he he came out today uh, and was just pretty forthright about it. Upbeat, didn't seem phased, right? You know, so maybe it's one bad day and and you move on um, because today he sounded like, He was fine about it. And again, you know, he's probably not a perfect teammate and he's probably coached to a certain extent to to get to these responses. But even if you sort of read the, you know, you, you know, you do two things here. One, you take what he said and then you listen to how he said it. And, you
1: know, it seems like he's in a good place. I thought so, too. And then what jumped out to me most um, about today being friday's availability this lp sounded really upbeat and he, <laughs> i mean i'm he... sorry i'm
0: i'm still fascinated because like <laughs> it, if you're gonna hear it in the audio or maybe you've already heard it but you know right, right. i'm not sure how many minutes lloyd spoke for eight seven eight minutes you know typical media great. availability and nobody asked lloyd anything to do with any of this and lloyd a, yeah, the reason I'm laughing is like two, maybe three, four times. Lloyd's like, "Is anybody gonna ask me any questions?" I can't believe there aren't any questions. It and, was wild.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was difficult. wild. But even but even before he got to that, he sounded upbeat, and he sounded like to me. Um, and I and I have to always share. I tend to hone in on like small nuanced part of the way people communicate and it might, and again, but he's really like, good at that. You, you, it's very, you know, yes, he's, he's yeah. not I mean, one it, to reveal a whole lot in the subtext. Right. Right. And, but I mean, my back, my educational background is in psychology and I'm just, I'm just naturally interested in those things. So I, I, I may, I probably react a little more strongly to those things than the average person. Sometimes nothing that's good or bad or anywhere between probably some of both, like everything else in the world. But, uh, Um, but he just sounded, uh, energetic and upbeat and, and it would surprise me what I know about him for him just to look at this as an opportunity for his team. Like, Hey, okay, this is going to happen. We can work through it as a team. We can grow from it. Uh, His favorite word growth. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, and and this is just some, an opportunity for us to really work on how we're going to function as a team and supporting each other through it and working together through it. I I could totally believe that that's how he was looking at it. I know a lot of fans don't want to probably hear that and they want to just chalk it up to the inexperienced head coach that we, that we have in Atlanta and and just kind of throw and, and a lot of fans are ready to throw him aside, but from what I heard, he sounded like a coach that was just eager and and you know borderline excited maybe to look look at this as an opportunity. To you know, demonstrate what growth looks like and togetherness looks like, and you know the the motto this year has been the we you know mentality and the we approach, and I, I, he just sounded like someone that was in a in a good place is what I w- what I would say, and then of course the entertaining part which you're referencing was at the end he seemed just absolutely heartbroken <laughs> that no one asked him questions <laughs> these things, And I wish they would have too, cause I would have loved to have heard it. Um, but even, but even that aside, I think he just sounded like he was in a good positive frame yeah. of mind to me. Yeah. I think the thing that people
0: want to ding Lloyd for, <clears throat> sorry, ding Lloyd for is also one of his strengths, which is just that he's very even keeled. Um, Mm-hmm. maybe a little bit like Brad Stevens in Boston, but you know, with a little more sarcasm or some other stuff mixed in, but he's just, you know, he's, he's not. And, and actually trace said something like this after the Charlotte game, but he's like, you know, traces that, you know, I'm not going to get too high and I'm not going to get too low, which, you know, that that's what trace said after the Charlotte game, but that's true about Lloyd. Like he's, I think, you know, when, when, a 15-point lead is melting away uh, against the Cavaliers. You know, they, they want Lloyd to pull a Bobby Knight and throw a chair on the floor or something, and he's that's just not him. Like, he's... It's just not him. Like, it, maybe it's more his assistants, you know, somebody like Melvin Hunt um, than it is Lloyd, but it's not Lloyd. It's just not something that he's really going to do. Certainly not yeah.
1: in public, at least. Yeah, we all remember the Melvin Hunt, I think, breaking a clipboard or something like. that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, Nate McMillan um, is a quiet type, but I think he has a pretty in- intense uh, brand, you know, at least about the details and kind of, he's, I think Nate uh, McMillan's candy grading in the way that, you know, kind of kind of Bud was, you know, the coach we had prior, prior to LP. Um, but no, I think you're exactly right. I think, you know, you know, LP believes in process and believes in building up um, together uh, towards you know, you know a higher performing team, higher performing you know group of people, and that adversity uh, is an opportunity. And you know, for whatever reason, it reminds me—I can't remember whose podcast he went on. I think the first year he was coaching um it may I, it, I may be recalling when he went on I think Howard Beck's podcast he's he's been on a lot of podcasts um mm-hmm. but he was I think I think yeah it was Howard Beck because I remember Howard asking him about how stressful the losing is and he, his response was I think stress is a word I don't even use it's not even in my vocabulary and that it really, he does i think kind of gives some insight into how he thinks and how he operates around you know i'm not going to allow you know brief momentary events to drive up our anxiety and our stress we're going to view adverse adversity and view these bumps as an opportunity to kind of prove to ourselves and each other that we're together and that we're going to get through this and we're going to be better for it and i i 100 believe that's where his head is that's what his I believe that's very likely what his um, talking points have been the last few days. Um, it fa- I knows, Again, some fans uh, don't want to hear that. Others might feel encouraged by that. But, but I just think that's that that's how he operates. Yeah.
0: So, I don't know, where do we go from here? What do you expect? I, th- I mean, I think... What, what, what do you think is going to happen in Charlotte or against philadelphia What are we well, expecting for these next couple games if, if philadelphia can field a team
1: Yeah, that, that's a huge question, but for for the charlotte game. I I expect Them to at least start the game with good energy And bouncing back. I think it you could even hear it a little bit in, in lp's availability today that he felt uh, like getting some five and five, you know, in the middle of a season, especially a, uh, a season that's um, as condensed as this one, th- those are going to be pretty rare days to get. Where You can go full five on five. Uh, they did that today. And I, I felt like he thought that was good for the team. I, I expect them to come out with good energy, um, you know, a better plan for how to deal with what Charles going to throw them defensively, specifically for Trey. Um, so I have pretty good – I should say pretty high expectations that it's going to be quite different than what we saw on Wednesday. Um, I, I don't <laughs> to um, c- characterize that a little bit. I don't think it's hard to generate a response to to something like that. With to me, the real test is if you can sustain it, and that's where I still have questions. So I, I expect a good start, energetic start sharing the ball on offense, um, you know, doing the things that they need to do on on defense. And, you know, and I think they are a better team uh, than Charlotte. um, And I think that they'll look like the better team on Friday. um, But if, you know, if they (laughs) encounter, you know, more than a few possessions, say they get to a four-minute stretch or so, where things aren't going well, that's where I'll be really getting to the edge of my seat and see what happens at that point in time if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I was going to say that you
0: yeah, know this is the kind of thing that Trey excels at. He he likes he likes the motivating factor. Um, so I I expect a a really big game from Trey tomorrow, but at the same time, yeah, if, if if there are any uh, refrains or motifs that roll over from from not so much the Charlotte game, but from from Cleveland and New York, if they get up 14 or 16 or 17 points, and it gets down to four, um, and there are decisions to be made on offense, um, you know what happens in that circumstance. Because again, really, you know, a lot of times you don't get to pick, and it's got to be frustrating for John because. He doesn't get to be the point guard. He doesn't get to make the decision. He doesn't get to decide whether he gets the ball or not. But in a lot of cases, you're just reacting to whatever it is that the defense wants to do. And, um, you know, that, that'll that be something to watch is if, 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 uh, if the shirt collars get tight in the fourth quarter because the Hawks had a lead and it's dwindling, you know, I'd be fascinated to see what happens in that circumstance.
1: Yeah, for sure, and it's a good point that John doesn't get the pick um, And that's got to be even harder Coming out of uh, the timing Where he could have had an extension and they didn't get one agreed But it's, it's you know, when I think about You, know, like, if like John goes a good stretch Without getting a good touch um, You know, getting a shot at the rim, a lob, or whatever it looks like it, <laughs> um, I think about like in the NFL, like wide receivers that play on teams with just like the, like the worst two or three quarterbacks in the league. Like those, it's like, and they'll run their routes like hard every time for them. I mean, broadly. <laughs> and, and like, even like if they get, you know, told to run a, a, a nine or a fly pattern or whatever they're calling those these days, like it, I, the way, and like, the wide receiver has to know this guy can't throw the ball like 30 yards outside the hash marks. <laughs> He's still running like deep outs and, you know, and it's, and, and you think how many times does he can do that in this game, knowing the ball's never going to get thrown there? And that's kind of what you know. I imagine you know centers that are working really hard in their ball screens and then diving to the rim and you know just hoping for a touch. You know, I, I, when I think about that, I think about Dwight and Houston. You know, just clamoring for a chance to get a post touch or something like that. But right. it's got to be hard. But it's also yeah, that's just normal. That's what that's that's what the NBA is these days and. I know John understands that.
0: And and life for him gets a little scarier without Gallinari. Like, if if you're worried about numbers and team success, you know, anything, team success, whatever, like, it all fits better with Gallinari. Like, Gallinari comes off the bench, comes in for John early, and, you know, John spends less time playing with Clint, so his rebounding numbers are going to be better. And then you get to the bench unit where – You put John at center and Gallinari at power forward. And again, that's sort of the offensive description on defense. It might be Gallinari at center and John at power forward, but like numbers wise, like his rebounding numbers in those situations are going to go way up. His field goal percentage should go way up because he gets more use as a role man. Um, It probably just, the whole game probably just feels easier for him and more rhythmic than, than when when he's playing with Capella because it's more like what he's done over the past few seasons. So like, that would have been a nice security blanket for John at this point to have that kind of a situation with Gallinari, and instead what we've got is you know you're getting some Bruno Fernando minutes, you're getting some you know minutes with Solomon Hill at center, and you're you're getting more time with John and Clint together, and I just think that makes life a little you know the, like again those lineups have been great like just that that core of Hunter Trey and John Collins this season you know, those have been very productive lineups, and, you know, Capella fell in line after the beginning, and even when it's doing well, it still seems a little bit, I I just think that those lineups are going to be a little bit more frustrating for John, just because they differ from the way that he's played uh, some in in the past few seasons, and I, you know, I just think that some of those lineups, when he's playing with Kevin Herter and Gallinari, and there's, and, and Bogdanovich, and there's just a ridiculous amount of space and he's going against a bench defense um i just think that that would be uh a soothing experience uh compared to you know grinding against cleveland's front line or new york's front nine where he's a power forward next to capella
1: yeah i think so too i think um Gallo's absence has probably made uh i shouldn't say probably to your point for sure in my view made things harder uh for john there's not a you know a, a power forward center pairing that's going to give john more space to work because Gallo's is such a great shooter and on top of that he can you know spot up two full steps behind the three-point line and that's a perfectly normal shot for him <laughs> and so and so it just opens up a ton of space and You know, and you'll watch them play, like, while Gallo's been missing these last few games, Capella just is like, um, you know, it's like watching a game of Hungry Hungry Hippos with rebounds. He's just such an instinctive rebounder, and he's gobbling everything up, (laughs) and and John's just not, you know, getting the opportunity, and it's... it's well, if it's five rebounds in the game, it's it's mostly, almost completely inconsequential which one of them actually secured the rebound. You know, the, what matter was the team got <laughs> the right. rebound. Right. But it, it it matters in terms of the perception of John's market value and how strong of a rebound he actually is all on his own, you know, you know, in in lineup context and situational context and stuff. So yeah. I mean and it's the, it's it, an, it's not even just the fact that it's
0: Capella, it's that Capella's in a certain spot on the floor, like Right, like the the chances to go for offensive rebounds aren't there when he's out at the three point line. Uh, Collins has different responsibilities in defensive transition than he does when he's the role man. So it's it's yeah. it's,
1: it's not you know it's just a different role. It's, it's like, and, and on top of that, to, for sure. And on top of that, you know, I think that you and I both, I think you, I think you agree with me that. John's playing harder on defense, and he's playing better defense in yeah. in in a in a professional setting. When you know we're ta- again, we're talking about contract and market value and all that sort of stuff. Part of his thinking is, "Hey, I'm putting in all this work on the defensive end of the court, and I'm not getting the same opportunities on offense." This is, you know even even if he's an a plus like team guy on the human level that's gonna you know make him feel a certain way and and make him experience different emotions, whether it's frustration or you know fairness, you know or what have you, you know that that, that that's a thing. And he is working harder on on defense. and he is um, executing a lot better, in my view, on defense. He's even and even his minutes at the five where he's anchoring things, he's holding up so much better than he was prior to years. Um, And he probably warrants some consideration and, and some thought about, okay, let's, you know, let's reward our big guy who's working really hard on defense with some, you know, touches when we can get, when it makes sense, and when we can get them for him and when the losses are coming and when you're down in the fourth quarter and the plan to come back is Trey getting to the free throw line, you know, on five BS fouls <laughs> and possessions where nobody else touched the ball that, you know, that's, that's going to be tough uh, f- for him. And I, and I know that some Hawks fans want to make this a, a time to divide between, you know, everybody needs to choose between Trey and John. And I just, I don't buy into that. Um, and I just think, these guys are all human beings. And I think if we kind of think about what, you know, if we can, you have to speculate some, because we don't really know these guys, but they're all people. (laughs) And although the normal emotions are in play and we do know certain things about, you know, where they stand with their contract and their earning potential, all that sort of stuff. And this is the, these, all these things are factors in my view.
0: Yeah. And Trey's an unusual player. So, you know, he, He certainly has tendencies to. I think, as you mentioned, you know, you mentioned it maybe more around free throws, but there are, you know, just those possessions where not only is he the only player that touches the ball, but he'll shoot it with 19 in the shot clock from 29 feet. And I I thought that he was worse on that in the preseason. I don't know if he was trying to fine tune something or just practice that shot. But it seemed i mean I thought honestly that his his decision making on those had gotten better once he'd gotten to the regular season and you know i i don't i don't know it, it didn't seem the the bigger thing to i mean i, I <laughs> it seemed just the the bigger thing to me that i think might be frustrating is just the, just the turnovers that there have been some turnovers that are just I don't, you know more more for trade than usual. And I don't know.
1: Yeah, especially I the last. It's been weird. It's been weird. Has he's been a little off on lobs? Like I remember the one specifically yeah. to Capella in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think it was the Knicks game was low, and 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 there's also been a few times he's been trying to push a bounce pass through him in pretty tight space in the lane. And it it just hasn't gotten through. And so maybe just like with Capella being a different big, the, there's a different calibration where it was kind of just JC mostly, like in the volume right. of it. The windows were a little just, smaller. Right. And and the timing's different too. Yeah. You know. And and John just has as a as a I don't want to say as a ball handler right across the board, but. He can catch the ball, you know, but the ball doesn't have to be, you know, delivered square to him for him to, to, to catch it and, and do what he needs to do with it. Um, and I'm sure Trey's just kind of dealing with it, too. But you kind of hit on something there that was interesting to me, um, a part of it that maybe I would have gone past if you would have brought it up. But, you know, if the if the if the conversation in the film room was about shots early in the shot clock, especially those, you know, 28 to 30 footer I it, that didn't strike me as being very credible like critique because I to your like you hit on it I don't I don't think I've seen trade do like uh, you know too much of that uh, in these seven games it was seven games I think so far um, and so maybe that was just something that didn't like st- um, land correctly through all the reporting That you know that that was actually the thing that was Talked about in the film session But if that's what it was I, I didn't really make any sense To me of like why that would be something That John or anyone else was kind of You know bothered by because it doesn't It doesn't seem to like it's a problem to me
0: Unless it was like one specific play or something Where it's just like hey oh, sure. yeah I'm, I'm here I, I had that one if if you found me But yeah in general it's I think Trey's been judicious in picking those And you know keeping the volume low enough that there aren't too many because it, it's a little bit of a rhythm disruptor, but at the same time getting enough of them up to keep defenses honest so that he can use that as a a setup for, for his drives. Yeah. So that's definitely
1: yeah. Lloyd's yeah. fault. Yeah. <laughs> I changed my mind. Lloyd sucks. <laughs> Uh, okay. But no I mean it, it I mean we you know we weren't in the room and even the people who wrote you know um the piece Sam Amick and Chris Kirchner they weren't obviously in the room and you know, I think we all kind of generally know how reporting works and that um you know good journalists uh and good editors do you know a certain amount of work to try to verify you know to in whatever depth makes sense and all that sort of stuff but But, you know, the people who wrote it and reported on it weren't there. Um, And so it is hard to know, you know, how much the uh, storytelling changed through the process, you know.
0: But the other thing about that, though, too, is like, just, well, how does it come to light then? Like, and I'm not, I'm not the blame the whistleblower type, but, you know, it is, it's a little bit, it's a little bit curious because... You know, I doubt it was Trey or John trying to, to get that story out. There. Right. So, you know, you wonder, like, where did it come from and why was it? Did it come out just because it was so heated that somebody
1: felt like they had to say something? You know what I mean? I For know. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, typically there is um, a, a person within that story or the that Headline is site to the story, the thing being reported on, that is motivated a little bit differently, and I'm not going to pretend like I can pick that person out right <laughs> right now. You know, John. I, I feel like it's been a little. Some people, I don't want to say lazy, because I think it's pretty normal, pretty natural, um, to just kind of pick at John and say, well, John cares about his contract, and that's what this is all about. It's and it's like, okay, you and I talked about it earlier in our conversation here that that probably did, almost surely did, make it more likely. For him to speak up, that maybe he would have been in prior years, but that is, that's not what got this to the media. Yeah, you know, that's not what guy that got this right. in the hands of journalists. That was probably very likely a different person with a different motivation doing that, and I don't, I, I can't even guess it, who that was yeah. or why they did and it. I, I don't really, you know, I'm not. I, I mean, it,
0: it's not productive for me. <laughs> but you know, you know, the the two things that are, you know, that. Come up relevant to that are one you know was it so intense that's why it came out that somebody was just like spooked like you know this is serious and that's why it came out and the other one is like is it is it you know if it's somebody who just got here if they're like holy crap i came to atlanta i wasn't expecting this you know that kind of thing so you know just you wonder if there was some shock value to the event and that's why it came out. And maybe that makes it more intense than,
1: than otherwise might let on. But yeah, I don't know. I could, yeah, I could see that being, you know, realistic. There are a lot of new people in the locker room, you know, this year. And so a lot of new uh, sets of eyes and ears and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, you know, it maybe I don't know, maybe what listeners want is to kind of you know, at the kind of in a macro sense, what are the big things that matter? You know, when I look at this, at least, you know, the thing I ask myself, top of the list, is Trey embracing Lloyd Pierce as a coach, and and what it, the kind of coach that Lloyd Pierce is bringing to the team. Yeah, I don't know, but that matters for sure. Trey is. I mean, I think he player. does, in the sense, I, like again, you know, I think it, it.
0: One of the things that's very important to me as a telltale sign is, like, what's what's it been like for Trey playing defense this year? And, you know, a couple of weeks ago I asked him about playing defense, and, he, you know, he pretty much his answer was, you know, I'm doing fine. I can get better, but I'm doing fine. And I really do think he has been. Like, there was a point this season, again, this is sort of when I was taking stock after seven games, it's like, you know, the Hawks were better on defense with Trey on the court than off, and a lot of that is, of course, his – uh, accompanying players, but that doesn't happen unless Trey himself has had bought into, and I, I think he he had, and I think that's a good sign for the relationship between Trey and Lloyd.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I, I think there are plenty of signs to me that suggest that that's fine. You know, is is in in an NBA setting with a franchise player and coaches, is, is it typically gonna ever be like, oh, things are awesome and great? That's probably not the standard to to look for. You know. Um, yeah. but I agree with you that there's plenty of, plenty I've seen that make me think, well, it's fine. And there, there's not, now are there people like hypothetically around Trey that have different feelings and want to say different things possibly, you know, And I think that maybe we've seen a little bit of that, but that's a different thing. But the reason I brought that up is that when something like this happens and there's you know, maybe the optics of a fracturing, that's one of the first things to maybe kind of, you know, just... From a curiosity standpoint, checking, on, I was like, "Is that what's going on?" Because if that was going on, it would be a big deal. But I think that's not what's going on. Um, you know, uh, and that's, the reason I share that is I've seen a lot of fans suggest like, "We just need to get LP out of here because if Trey's not happy. That's bad." <laughs> and I just, I, I just think, you know, I, I think yeah, like who's of, the coach of,
0: that's going to make it, like, I don't know, Trey's emotional, I, like,
1: yeah. And I have bad news for Trey if he doesn't like how LP coaches him. Good luck with like a, a normal average replacement coach. It's going to be worse. It's going to be harder, and yeah. you know. and he's a good you know, offensive per- coach. Like you look at the shots that the shot yeah.
0: profile that the Hawks get. I mean, part of that is Trey, but part of it's Lloyd too. Like he's yeah. he sets he things believed, up well to make it easy for Trey and for John.
1: Yeah, and he believes in growth and maturation. He didn't. Bring all of his defensive expectations year one to Trey, he, you know He let Trey kind of marinate in it in year two a little more and now year three You know, uh for both of them, you know, I should say that, Okay, the expectations are higher, but he wasn't like maybe uh, Tibbs would be like The first practice you didn't tag the roller, you know And, and like just writing him on the the basic things, you know, so I, I just you know it, it I don't think it's the case but like hypothetically Trey were like, yeah, i'm not into lp anymore. I I have bad news. I would have bad news for him on what the which direction things would go with like your normal average replacement. And so the reason I brought that up was not to start a conversation or a rumor or whatever around hey there's an issue here, but just to say it is a natural uh, aspect of curiosity when something like this happens to think okay is what we're seeing a fracturing, and if there is what does that mean for the franchise player in his you know sense of being happy where he is because that's a big that's a big deal for fans and it's a big deal for the franchise and that's totally normal but i think that i'm with you and we're both saying that that's not there's no reason to think that's what's going on so i'm just encouraging fans and listeners to not feel like they have to make a choice between trey and lp right now you know that's just not a thing you know there's for everything we know and see that's not a thing um but to kind of affirm that it's a, it's a normal thing to be curious about something like this is happening. So it, for me, it's like, is Trey, or Trey and LP, it was Trey embracing LP's coaching. I think that's fine. Is Trey okay with where management is going? You know, has he lost any faith? Why would that be the case? This is a really good roster. They, I think they're going to have, I still think they're going to have a really good season. And so the kind of that fan freak out around, okay, somebody needs to be eliminated from this, uh, situation to make sure that things are in a good place. I just think that's a severe overreaction. I just want to put that on record.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, to switch topics a little bit. Sure. I, I've had bad luck. Maybe this will be a reverse jinx because. You know, in previous recent podcasts, I was freaked out about Clint Capella, and then he started playing well. I was freaked out about Golden State's long-term future, and I still am, but they started playing well. Um, I'm concerned about Cam Reddish. I'm still irked in the sense that last season got canceled at the end, that the Hawks didn't get to go to the bubble, because I remember thinking as soon as the Hawks you know as soon as it came out okay the Hawks aren't going to the bubble I was like man that sucks for Cam like first player on the team just first thought it's just you know when you're that young and you have momentum and experience matters like somebody said this the other day and I was like oh yeah like Cam still hasn't played an 82 game season yet
2: <laughs>
0: he's still a rookie. Um you know, if you if you keep in mind that last season was fragmented and they only got a fraction of the season in and there were only eight games in now, he he hasn't had, you know, 82 games played in. He hasn't even had 82 Hawks games go by since he's been on the roster. He's, he's still a, a rookie in that sense, and quite honestly, he's, he's played like a rookie for the last week, 10 days. Uh, what? I mean, I guess it's sort of some obvious things, but what? What what's he doing right and what needs to change for him?
1: Well, I think the things that are going right, he's I, to me, he's still kind of a terror on the ball. If if the guy he's defending has in any sense, a, a not very secure uh, handle, you know, he's going to get his hand on the ball <laughs> and there's a decent chance he's going to create a turnover and then good things typically happen. Uh, although that's even been a little bit yeah. different with the miss dunk and just he's mishandled some some pretty easy transition opportunities the last few games. But and he's also, ball- I think, I think you just sorry to slip this
0: in because while you're yeah. on the topic, I think he's gotten his hands on a lot of balls in the last week,
2: yeah. where
0: he's gotten the deflection and yeah. it's just kind of a loose ball and it goes back to the other team, like it just right. you know bad bounce. Somebody on the other team pounces on it, like he probably just frustrated overall but it just kind of spills over to the the bad luck bounces and i i don't know I, th- I think he's gotten a lot of deflections without getting a lot of steals or a lot of success and a lot of what do you call positive feedback like that the feedback loop has been broken for him a little bit even with his good hands his hands still being good and still trying but the steals the fast breaks and like you mentioned the even the one that he did kind of get out on the break uh you know got the miss on
1: that one so yeah no I I think that's that's all good perspective to mix in here and so the defense is there but great point on your part he it always hasn't been turning into the easy offense that you'd like to see happen in those situations Um, the next thing I look at with him is his ball handling because at the beginning of last season it was a, an absolute mess. <laughs> I mean, he he could not really keep the ball where he wanted to keep it. And that and when he was missing, you know, when he was having so much difficulty making shots last season, as I look at kind of with my coaching perspective, it was because he couldn't keep the ball where he wanted to. So he was initiating a shot from all over the place because the the ball was dribbling him more than he was dribbling the ball. That seems totally cleaned up. And that, so that's good. That's progress. And that's kind of... You're getting one thing fixed and how he kind of transitions into being a shooter especially off the dribble um and so it just i think it just comes down to confidence and rhythm and you know he similar a little bit like how we talked about john he could be dealing with hey there's more shooters there are more there's more creation here now you know less so with Galloel because Gallo is going to be a bit be a pretty big contributor, I think, to their creation. Hopefully he still can be when he comes back. Um, but DeAndre is playing so well that they're running a lot of stuff for him and they're not running, you know, the volume of things and they're not running the kinds of actions for Cam that they are for DeAndre. And when they run things for Cam, it's sort of like, you know, I had a piece come out on after timeout plays, and it's almost like, okay, we're coming out of a timeout. We're just gonna run something just to give Cam a chance to have a possession you know and and it's not going well (laughs) but they're even kind of going out of their way at times it seems to kind of get him some time on the ball but there's no as far as i can tell there's not really a pattern to when he is going to get those chances it's just like oh it's been a while let's give cam a chance you know and and you know if you think about the role he was in coming up through aau and the other kind of prep environments and Things like that and all changed when he got to do it. But, you know, he was running every everything was going through him and he was it was the cam show on offense. Um, and, you know, maybe he would have been more prepared for this if not only there was a full season last year, but a normal off-season. I'm sure he would have been involved and played maybe a game or two at Summer League and just been in the quote program more and building that up. Um, but I mean, it's just been a crazy time and I think that, you know, the lack of organized team activities and the lack of time, you know, working, um, you know, in in coached environments heading into the season, it's just impacted him more than anyone else. And I think he's just, it's just not there yet. And to your point, the negative feedback loops are becoming, uh, more frequent and, and, worse <laughs> so you know I'm hopeful I, I know he can get back on track I have no doubt about that I have a lot of confidence in him um but I th- I, I think that he is a, a player that needs a little care and feeding at the beginning of the season until he can kind of find his footing and that's just missing right now uh and it's easier to mix that in when you're winning games especially if you're winning games by you know 15 20 points to take you know the last you know three or four minutes and let him run the offense and have those Possessions, and I think I suggested on um, I think I think on Twitter that they'll. You know, Pierce called a timeout at the end of the Charlotte was it the Charlotte game or the uh, maybe the Knicks game Charlotte Charlotte yes where they just called a timeout just to give him a a chance to get a, a shot to go down, <laughs> you know, um, right. you know it's so I that indicates to me that they're they're on that but. Yeah, it looks really ugly, and he's—I mean—it looks like he has zero confidence right now, as a shooter and as a creator. But I think his me, shot. Well, yeah, I guess the last week it's been.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it, I don't know. I'm not really worried about his jump shot at all. I just. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I, think just looked, I think if we looked, I think we looked at the whole the whole seven games. We'd see, as a spot up shooter and off the catch, has been pretty good, and off the dribble, it's been atrocious, and That's fair. and yes, the worst. Yeah, and the worst of it is this decision making when he's like attacking exactly. with the dribble, like the, he it's he I suggested to someone that it's like he's a quarterback who decides where he's going to throw the ball before the ball snapped. You know, when he gets the ball and he's kind of getting that simple, you know, pick and roll, it just looks like he's already decided I'm going to attack the rim or I'm going to pull up at the free throw line and take a mid range or you know, so he's not feeling the play, not reading the play at all and. I have to think that goes down to confidence rhythm. Yeah, that sounds that sounds
0: right to me. Yeah, it's just uh I would I would contrast with, with someone like Brandon Goodwin who I was a little bit nervous about in the preseason and in the regular season, especially in the last ten days or so. Goodwin has looked really good as as a drive and kick threat, more <laughs> probably more so than at any point in his Hawks career, probably in his NBA career going back to Denver too, you know. Just he looks very comfortable with just taking what the defense is giving him. Um, you you know to contrast it with somebody like DeAndre Hunter, uh, you know when he gets in the paint, he can make up his mind and say, yeah, they haven't overcommitted, so therefore I can shoot this. Someone like Goodwin needs daylight, and if the daylight's not there, he's he's recognizing that early and figuring out where the ball needs to go and and getting it there. So, you know, he's been good as a driving kick threat. And even Bogdanovich, like I've been really impressed with the number of times that Bogdanovich has essentially done a driving kick play and kicked it like to a 180 degree angle from where he's driving. Like he'll he'll have his angle of attack at the rim and it's like, okay, where's the ball going to go? And the defense reacts, and the only person that's open is, like, dead behind him, and he's just like, okay, you know, I'm going to jump in the air, spin 180, and get the ball here, because that that person over there is open. It's like, well, how did you see that? Like, it's it's way beyond what we've seen from most players, so uh, that's been one of my pleasant surprises, but that's just, you know, to bring it back to Cam, that's what I wanted, you know, your analogy there about making the decisions... uh, ahead of time is, is on point, I think. And, you know, to further agree with you, we're, we're doing a good job, uh, just giving positive feedback to each other. here. But, <laughs> it's um, been a hard week, Kevin. We need it. <laughs> okay. That's true. But yeah, yeah, it's just, um, you know, a, part of the reason that he's probably making his decisions early is that he wants a certain outcome really badly because he's touching the ball less. And, you know, it that, that just
1: makes life harder. Yeah. And I, I also get the sense watching him. He looks like a player uh, who is hearing the coach and staff tell him be aggressive, be aggressive, be aggressive. And that may be, you know, a little adjusted messaging for him because if, you know, if he just kind of, um, you know, goes full bore, I think that's a little faster than he, he would normally play at and and norm a little faster than he's used to reading plays at that velocity and to maybe him like be aggressive means go fast and hard and i don't i think he's more of a third gear type you know not not and that's not doesn't mean around effort but just around you know deceleration and angles and the way he sets up a defender and so i I think part of it is my, this is a guess on my part, but we, I, I think we do hear enough to suggest that we um, can have some confidence that he's hearing messages around being aggressive. And I just think he's kind of misapplying that and, and, you know, being the wrong form of aggressive in terms of like going super fast and going right at someone, as opposed to kind of attacking the play in a bit of a methodical way, but not in a, a way that um, doesn't, um, allow him to kind of attack the play In a way that In in timing and in uh, Velocity that, that fits his style So it, that just seems kind of off You know And it, it, But I, I feel like Even like a week from right now If we came back and talk about this We'd be like Oh yeah he's fine now You know <laughs> Yeah So yeah.
0: But. I, I agree with you on that part But I'm pleased to say That I can disagree with you On the, the speed part of it uh, I think And again to you contrast it with like Hunter who's been fascinatingly able to just move a body that's in his way <laughs> this season. You see, he's just delightfully strong and it's like, mm-hmm. he's not, you know, there's, you know, your 10 best NBA strong scores or whatever, you know, he's maybe not in that class, but, He's he's upper echelon when it comes to just I'm gonna make space by just putting my shoulder here and you're gonna you're gonna go there and I'm gonna have space to get this shot off. And Cam is nowhere near there yet, but I think he's he's playing more at an appropriate tempo than he did last year. Like he was like a deer on ice last year with the spin moves and like you said with the dribble and definitely trying to play too fast. I do think he's slowed down a bit. I don't think he realizes how strong he is maybe not strong isn't the right word how much stronger he is than he was last season sure he's 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 playing with more balance mm-hmm. and he's 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 stronger but I think he's still falling into his old tendencies from when he wasn't strong I, he he just goes away from the rim too much like he, I think he's used to getting bumped away from the rim and so he He needs to just, in my opinion, I I think it's probably just, uh, you know, once he gets more positive feedback with, hey, I drove to the rim, and when I got there, I used my body to get their body out of the way, and once once he does that and realizes that he can do that and get away with it, maybe get foul calls out of it. I think it'll go better for them. I think he's conceding too much in terms of strength and not realizing what he has. Because I I like his tempo, and I'm willing to concede that he doesn't have huge vertical burst. But he has such good coordination. I feel like his timing has gotten better, and he's growing into his body. It just seems like he has to learn the experience of NBA contact around the rim a little bit better. And while he's never going to be as good as some people, um, I I think he can be fine in that regard, and it'll complement the other things that he does very very well.
1: Yeah, I think so too, and I, I and I, I agree with you. Um, kind of sort of on your response to me that his um, not he's not going too fast, and I, I think it's in for me at least in what I feel like I'm seeing. Maybe it's just me, but it's sort of in that you know, nuanced area of like, if I when I see him attack the paint with a dribble, the timing looks fine, the velocity looks fine. But it's like when I see him and I know he's already decided he's gonna attack the rim, you know, he takes off like earlier than he needs to. You know, he still has time for maybe another step and a gather. Yeah. And so it's spe- it's that part that's speeding up to me when I watch him play, it feels like. And and, and again, I think that's something with just a few few you know, two or even, you know, eight two to three games of, you know, some good things happening, and it probably all just kind of comes back into into rhythm for him, and we'll see good stuff again. All right.
0: Anything else you want to
1: punch in here before we clock out? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it's uh interesting time and something interesting to talk about. Uh, I'm just looking forward to another game on Saturday, and then hopefully on Monday as well with the – Things are really picking up around – not to start a whole new conversation, but things are really picking up with positive uh, COVID tests coming back. So just something to keep an eye on. But I'm looking I, – I I would love just to have some normal basketball on Saturday and Monday for the team. So that's what I'm hoping for. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, we
0: can, I can't, can't start a conversation about it. But no. <laughs> I just want to get on the record that I think – NBA players can wear masks. It's really not that big a deal. Like a, a cloth mask, Like again, it's not going to be a fail-safe, but it's going to be, you know, I think based on whatever science of masks that they've concluded with so far, I think that uh, it, it would be a positive measure. <laughs> it's really not, not good and trending in a bad direction. Um, And I just think that 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 could be handled better. It's I don't know when I I, I hear people say that, oh, well, you're not going to be able to breathe. It's like, no, Uh, a fabric mask that catches, you know, a plurality of. Aerosols that are coming out is going to give you some percentage. It's not going to be hundred percent for sure, but it's it would be a better percentage than what's out there. I've, I'm very fearful for what the next week of NBA action looks like because we're getting to the point where it's not one team, it's not two teams. Um, right. You know, for, for a bunch of weeks things. now, it's you know the NBA PR sends out this email. And it's like, well, we did all of our tests on 400 players and we had one. Um, you know, when they do that Monday of this week, it's going to be an uncomfortable number, and I'm not yeah. sure what the correct measure is, but I do think that, like, a cloth face mask.
1: Yeah, would I, I would measure. think that most of the pushback is, if people were honest, is in the area of optics, you know, because that is a an advantage that the NBA has over the sports is just the face recognition and just how visible the players are. You know, they're not wearing, like, a football helmet, you know, to compare there, um, but I can also say that... um I understand, like, you know, someone saying, like, there's no way I can play. It's going to be uncomfortable. I can't breathe. You know, all I'll say is my own personal experience, not that my experience translates to everyone else's experience at all. I never want to say that, especially as a privileged person in our society. So I want to be careful, so I'm not saying it like that. But, you know, I spent seven years in the Air Force, and I went from, uh, uh, you know, being in a unit that had no mobility exposure to... More mobility exposure than any other uh, Air Force base in the continental for, in the lower 48, and I learned to do a lot of things with a gas mask on that I never thought I could do. That included physical activity. I was an air traffic controller, and the first time I ever tried to work in a tower with a gas mask on, I thought I'm going to kill somebody, you know, because this is ridiculous. But you learn to do, <laughs> you learn to do it. So it's a motivation there, and, and in the NBA context, that sports context, the motivation is. It start canceling games and then there's a financial impact that it could be done So I just can lean on my own personal experience and say I think the average person might be surprised at how much they can learn to do um, Like wearing a mask of whatever sort, even if the very first time they do it It seems impossible and more uncomfortable than makes any sense. So I'll just throw that out there Yeah Sucks it does
0: so uh, I'm going to Man, I hate doing this kind of crap because I hate doing audio. But I'm going to take the audio from today's media. Uh, I'm going to probably have to start recording these things in Zoom instead of using my usual computer recorder because I have no idea why, but it's like picking up my keyboard clacking. So uh, mm. my my tweets, you're going to hear my tweets when you hear the audio. But <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to clip my my Lloyd Pierce and my Trey Young audio and put it at the end of this. Uh, yeah.
1: Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Kevin, for having me on. Appreciate the conversation. Always, always enjoyed talking NBA, Hawks, and hoops with you. All of the above. Have a good night. You too.
3: Uh, Lloyd, do you have any kind of update on um, on Yeka and Tony Snell? I know you said they've done been able to do a little three on three recently.
4: Yeah, I mean they both practiced today. We went live 5 on 5. And they they both went through the entire deal.
2: Next question, anybody? We'll
3: go back to Sarah. If she has a second. Um yeah, I was just going to ask um Cam seems to have I guess kind of struggled offensively the last few games um what what have you seen out of him and um you know is there anything particular that might be affecting him
4: yeah we've struggled uh, last few games and individually you can go down the line and each guy's had a had a rough go at it and we just need to play better basketball uh you know as long as everyone's playing with the energy and and bringing that same spirit we've had uh, from day one, uh, I think, you know, the, the basketball will balance itself out. Obviously, he has made some shots, uh, particularly from the three. Uh, I think he's been good on the basketball defensively, which is, you know, a major area of concern for me with him is, you know, being a guy that can start our defense and set the tempo, uh, but we've struggled as a whole and and uh, we got to get, we got to get ourselves going. He's got to get himself going and, and I think he will.
3: When you say, um get ourselves going. It seems like offensively you guys haven't quite been at your best the last three games. Is there anything you can do to, to jumpstart that more or is, is there anything you're looking for? Make shots. To, well, yeah, <laughs> before you get to the shot, is there any, is there anything in, in addition? Make,
4: make shots. I mean, we didn't turn the ball over at a particularly high rate. I think we only had 12 for the game. Um, you know, we, we didn't make shots. We didn't get to the free throw line at the rate that we would like to, as we have been. To make or miss league uh we got to make shots that gets yourself going uh we got to get more stops i didn't think they they hurt us offensively in terms of you know an explosive number game Uh, but you you got to get stops and make it hard for them to score and we got to make shots on our end Um, that's a simple way of doing it there's there i can be as detailed as i want to be with each guy and each coverage and each play uh, but in terms of just the make or miss side, we, we've got to do a better job like we did the early part of the season, of making shots, it gets a rhythm. We have to find a way to get some easy baskets out in transition and at the free throw line and then the offensive rebounds. Um, but it's all going to be the same. Keep them from scoring and we have to score better and more efficient. And, and when we're not shooting extremely well, how can we create some easy baskets?
2: Cody from Fox 5. Coach, there was talk this offseason about how loud the gym was and how many veterans were in there making their voices heard. What's been the case since the last loss? Is there big guys stepping up and, and kind of making They're their voices They're all on heard? the sideline.
4: <laughs> the, the, the veterans that you just mentioned are all on the sideline. Uh, no, the gym is great. Uh, we had a great practice. I mean, we had a great practice, but it was great to practice today. And that's kind of a, a hidden message Uh, But no, you know, the voices that that we rely on in the veteran side that we rely on are are on the sideline and and trying to work their way back. But the energy hasn't dropped off the, um, you know, we'd like to see the energy better in in crucial parts of the game. But I think the voices are have been tremendous. I think they're communicating well with each other. They're trying to learn each other still uh, eight games in. We see ourselves kind of where everyone else sees themselves. I think Phoenix and uh, Philadelphia are at the top of the list with two losses and everybody else is in the same area. um, Still identifying who they are and what they're capable of, you know, one explosive game one night and a a struggle the next. Uh, We're in the same boat. And, uh, you know, that's just how this season will be. I think in a lot of cases, sometimes you wish you could play back to back because you can get right back to the game. Um, Because the practices you're not going to get a whole lot of in terms of adjustments and growth, because there aren't really practices they're glorified film sessions and walkthroughs, And so you're you're doing more talking than you are actually, you know, uh, getting back to the action and we we need to get back to action and that's why it was great to practice today because this is one of those few and rare opportunities where we do get to play live and we played a lot of contact. Any
2: final questions for coach Pierce? there are currently no hands up.
4: No questions. You got to be kidding me. There's got to be questions.
3: I asked a few. <laughs> we'll go back to Cody. He put his hey, hand
2: I'll, up. I'll ask you again. Is the, the way we are, I'll say it. We probably made too much out of the way the season started. Are we making too much about, you know, a few losses in a row? Um.
4: No, I mean, that's what your job is to do. I think, um, you know, you know, when you go across the league and you say, holy crap, Nick, Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors are one in six. You say, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, you look at the teams. I, I think it's just how the season is. I think sometimes we have preconceived perceptions of what teams should be. You know, everyone was calling New York a bad team. Well, they've won four straight games. So it obviously wasn't just us. They're pretty damn good. They're pretty tough. Um, you know, Phoenix had a great run in the bubble and they had CP. And they're leading the lead in, in defense right now. Whoever would thought Phoenix would be leading them, You can't say Phoenix of old is just what it is. And they've got to find a way to sustain it as well. Uh, but this is a different year and it's different situations. Every roster has turnover and there's going to be some ups and downs. Who would have thought Brooklyn would beat the number one team last night without KD and Kyrie? Um, you know, they were having their struggles with those guys and they're finding a rhythm without them. And so it, it, it's, it's, there's growth in everything. One of the things I think you look at a team like that is their, their growth is they're trying to find some rotational guys and trying to stick with it. And so when their main guys come back, and we're doing the same, we're missing a really steadying voice on the court in uh, Gallinari. And so we're trying to find some other guys that will play different parts. Because when he's back, he is the guy. Uh, you know, Rondo is our vocal and kind of intellectual leader. Gallo is a guy that I can already tell will settle us because he can get to the free throw line. And sometimes you don't need a big basket. Sometimes you need to just slow the game down and a free throw slows the game down. And so until then, you look at uh, the rest of our guys and you're trying to figure out, well, where can we best use them and how can we best use them and position them and how can they gain some some relationships in the interim so that they're a little bit better. Uh, I think all of our guys are comfortable playing with both Rondo and Gallo. Uh, they're trying to learn how to play with each other and that's you know that's what we're seeing right now and I think we're seeing that across the league.
2: Thanks, coach.
4: All right. Surprised we didn't have more questions today.
3: Um hey Trey, what's up? What's up? Um it kind of seems like the last three games offensively, you guys haven't looked like yourselves or um, been at your best. I just wanted to ask, what are some things you guys can do to kind of, I guess, get that spark back that it seemed like you had through the first few games?
2: Uh, I think we just got to continue to, I mean, continue to get better uh, on both sides. Uh, it's not just offense, it's both both sides. You got to continue to get better, um, learn each other, um, obviously continue to get guys healthy, uh, main thing and uh, we'll be fine. Cody. Hey Trey, report out there that, that John had to feel like he needed to speak out at the in the film session the other day saying he feels like you should get the ball around more in late game situations. Can you just speak to that? Is that unusual that something like that would happen in a, in a, a film session like that? No, I mean, for anybody who's, who's been in an NBA film session um, people talk. I mean coaches talk, players talk, we see what we we all say what we um, see what we can get better at. Um, when you lose, there's more things that you feel like you can get better at than when you win, obviously. and so um, film sessions you you talk and uh, that's how you grow as, as as a team and as players and as teammates. Um, that's just what happens. Sarah.
3: Um, following that up, can there be you know growth that comes from an interaction like that? And and has that happened so far?
2: Uh, of course. I mean, I know me and John have set the bar high for ourselves, but we're still twenty two and twenty three years old. Um, there's a lot we can get better at. There's there's going to be times where we, um, uh, I mean, are going to talk, and there's going to be times when um, teammates are going to talk about what we see and what we feel, and what we can get better at. And that's just, that's a part of basketball. It's part of this game is you talk and you communicate. You don't always agree with each other. And that's the part of this game that makes it so fun. And you, you, you learn, you grow as you go on. Any final questions for Trey? All right,
1: we are clear. Thank you, Trey.